I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. It's such an honor to be here, and I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favorite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Hey Dave, I'm thinking about doing another revolution. Do you want to join up? I might need some help with organizing the pamphlets, though. Pop Culture Pasta. Cody, one of the things that comic books was for me growing up, which was my area of geekdom, although I love movies and TV, but comic books were really my escape. My escape from my life, my, my real world con- context and situations. and Comic books were just all of that for me. I escaped into the History Channel television shows. Wow. See, history and came. sports, 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 also. yeah, sports but also became that. Like when I'm growing up, there's a ton of like Nostradamus shows <laughs> and like conspiracy theory galore. Um, I can tell you about 15 different theories on how JFK died. Please, so. please don't. Please, <laughs> if you're looking for your JFK conspiracy theorist. I'm not that person, but I know the theories. Some of those conspiracy conspiracy theories are just why? Why? Why do we care? Like, okay, so if the conspiracy is right, and that there were people clandestinely planning to kill JFK, do we really want to know that? Yes, <sighs> but at the same time, I think it is what my friend Jack Nicholson Nicholas. Whichever one's not the golfer. It's then you're (laughs) talking about the actor and that's Jack Nicholson. Thank you. I was correct the first time, but I always get confused. Jack of Nichols, son of Nichols. Yes. Um, He asked so eloquently, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth, man. That took a lot of buildup to get there. I did not know that's where we were going. Um, Okay. Uh, Anyways. Uh, I love that we do this show on pop culture. I do too. Because pop culture is an escape. And honestly, there was a bunch of real world things this week that could really get you down. Yes. If, if we dwelled in them and um, uh, we're happy to be here as an escape. Uh, so let's just dive into pop culture. This is pop culture pastor. My name is Dave. He's Cody. I am Cody. And like, let's just get out of the real world and talk about Jonathan majors. Uh, <laughs> oi, no. Um, so this one, it was painful. Um, why was it so painful? Can we, so is it because he's a character we've been waiting for for so long and he's a great actor and we just kind of fell for him? So I will say, usually I don't elevate people to high standings. Like very few people get there. If you get there, you're one of the fortunate ones. Um, but for Jonathan, I could care less about King. Like, I'm excited King's here, and I'm excited that, like, um, some cool stories can be played out. But at the same time, I'm not a Marvel guy. So, like, Jonathan Majors, everything I've seen him in, phenomenal. You find out that he's a pastor's kid and that he carries a cup with him. And he says stuff about don't overfill the cup. Only take what you can handle, what yeah. what's yours. And 
Um, now, with all that being said, the allegations that come forward, because I've been one that has proclaimed we are in the major sense. Yeah, we have. We have, we we're making a declaration um, that, with the seriousness of the allegations, we definitely want to be respectful to the victims and to the situation at hand whether he is innocent or guilty the fun and jokiness of all that yeah. has to be put on hold we are we are suspending the major sons for the moment yes until and that we are going to be respectful to the due diligence and due process that is the justice system within the united states now if somehow you don't know what we're talking about uh, Jonathan Majors, who we've recently reviewed in movies such as Creed 3 and Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania. Uh, he played Kang. He played Damien in Creed 3, uh, both very well. Apparently, Saturday night was when all of this dropped. According to Variety, um, police say a 30-year-old woman called uh, the, the New York PD, uh, told them she'd been assaulted. She was then taken to the hospital and treated for minor injuries to her head and neck. Jonathan Majors was arrested and then released Saturday night on an order of protection, uh, which is a restraining order. Mm -hmm. And uh, Variety says police listed strangulation, assault, and harassment as potential charges. However, he was ultimately charged with two counts of assault in the third degree, attempted assault in the third degree, Aggravated harassment in the second degree and harassment in the second degree. That's interesting. I don't even know what all that means, but it's a lot of words, which makes me feel like it's not good. Um, like if it only involves one person, either an assault happened or it, it didn't happen. I don't know how you can say attempted assault and assault. Well, okay. So Unless there's, there's multiple instances yeah. of this happening. And so the hard part about this, is there's lots of versions out there already. I'm going to go off the police report. That's the one that we should go yeah. off of. The fact that she's reported this incident at all is probably a key thing. It's important to note. Yes. Uh, domestic violence, nearly half of all survivors don't report the abuse to law enforcement. This is true. Um, but there's still a lot we don't know about the incident. Now, here's what his team is saying. Uh, it didn't take them long to respond to this, by the way. His lawyer, Priya Chaudhry, uh, told the LA Times that the woman had recount, recanted her story in two written statements. His attorney also claims that there's video evidence of the alleged incident inside a taxi and that also the statement by the taxi driver would exonerate him. I think it was an Uber, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Or was it a taxi? I don't know. So far, that video has not been released or those statements been made public. But this is what his lawyer's statement was. Quote, Jonathan Majors is completely innocent and is probably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. We are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the expectation that all charges will be dropped imminently. Now, they're wrong. The DA pressed charges anyways. So that's also kind of recent and major news. That whatever evidence they presented to the DA, the DA was not convinced. Um, now, there are there were two things on social media. Normally, I would not give two cents of worth to anything on social media. Yes. But because of who made the remarks early on um, that I thought it was worth noting. One was by, 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two tweets. Both of them have been deleted. Huh? I don't know. You know, you can conclude what you want. I'm just telling you what's happening. One was Broadway director, Tim Nikolai. He says this quote in a now deleted tweet. I'm just going to say this about Jonathan majors and be done with it. Folks at Yale and the broader New York city community have known about him for years. He's a sociopath and abuser. That is how virtually everyone speaks about him. It's a shame it took this long for him to be reported. Now, again, that tweet was later deleted. I don't, you can draw your own conclusions about what that means. Filmmaker A.B. Allen tweeted this in February. There's a particular actor relatively new on the scene who Twitter has violently fallen head over heels for, who in actuality is a vicious, cruel, abusive human being, both professionally and in his personal life. And every new viral thirst tweet about him drives me insane. On Saturday, when this was all breaking, he admitted that that tweet was about majors. All of those tweets have now been deleted. But those were two social media posts by not nameless nobodies, by people who you would think know. And, and, and this is, man, this is a problem. And Marvel's got a big problem now. Before we get to Marvel, yeah, let's. Um, I do have issues with those tweets, though. Yeah, because if you know that someone is violent, that there is a past of violence, and it's been geared towards people that you can solemnly say this happened, report it. Um, if you don't report it, you just had the statistic mm-hmm. that. Half of all domestic abuse doesn't go reported um, that you could be saving someone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the situation well enough. I'm not friends with Jonathan Majors or his acquaintances. Um, but in the real world, if you see something odd, you see something hurtful and harmful, uh, especially towards kids, towards individuals that look like they're being overpowered, Call the police, call protective services, call whoever would be the responsible party to investigate it. At worst thing is you have wasted a little bit of time and energy. Best thing is you saved a life or lives. It's well said. It's well said. Yeah. Uh, There was some banter over that, that very thing you talked about, like because, because social media and the nature of it is, we just don't know just because those people have names and they, and they put their name on it doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but there does seem to be some mounting evidence with these communities that he's been in that he's at the very least, maybe, you know, a little rough around the edges minimally, right? Like at minimum. And yeah, it makes you wonder, well, if this is such general knowledge, how come it wasn't right? How does, how does someone get this far now? Granted, these could all be false could all be false but like we also have the instances of harvey weinstein yeah um although majors has not been in positions of that much authority where he can affect and uh derail someone's career as a producer of multiple movies because he doesn't have that stature yet. Um, But literally if people would have reported Harvey, 
long time ago, there would be a lot less victims. Yeah. Now, in the last few days since this broke, it's been really quiet. There hasn't been anything that's kind of dropped. No news has been forthcoming, which is interesting because here's the deal now, Cody, as it relates to the properties he's a part of. Now, one way or the other, the truth needs to come out. If it stays quiet, then his brand is damaged. Like, if nothing really ever amounts to this, there are some people who will think, who will just always think he's an abuser. There will, some people will think he's just always innocent until, you know, something else happens or doesn't happen. Right. Um, Which is a, this is where it becomes the big problem for Marvel. Now, Marvel, he is Kang. Their plan is for him to, I mean, listen, there's variants of him. The last in credit scene for, or for Ant-Man uh, the two in credit scenes both had him in it multiple times as oh, many different characters. Oh yeah. Many different variants of King. Like they could have, and I mean, could have casted a hundred different actors to play each different variant. And it would have made sense. Yeah. Um, well, and that's how you know that they're blindsided by this. Yes. And now, I mean, I hate to go to the the, the movie aspect of it or the uh, the entertainment aspect, but ah, even if um, nothing comes of this, uh, you you have a tainted personality on screen. Uh, if something comes of this, you've invested a lot of time and effort and energy in presenting King. As Jonathan Majors, yep. whether it's Jonathan Majors with some eyeshadow, Jonathan Majors with his face painted blue, Jonathan Majors dressed as a caveman, whatever you have presented all these different ways of Jonathan Majors and you are now stuck. Yeah. And so here's the deal. It's not quite like in a court of law. He's innocent till proven guilty. That's how our system should work. Yes. But this is a different situation with Marvel because like we said, if nothing really ever comes with this, if he's like, if the DA presses charges and he like, you know, let's say he gets found innocent or they drop the charges, but then she, he settles with her in a civil way, mm-hmm. like pays her money. Like that's not going to be good enough for Marvel. Like here, Marvel, like Disney fired the lady from the Mandalorian because she got political on Twitter, on social media. Like, and they did that. And, and like, by the way, I'm not really one of those people who are like, oh, how dare they? Like, no, man, this is, this is business. And if you play the game, you're going to lose the game. Sometimes this is a different world. This isn't the court of law. And so the businesses are going to protect their brands however they want to. And so this puts Marvel in a particularly weird situation. To me, in my eyes, he either has to be completely exonerated, right? All evidence, like she comes out, says, I made it up. Um, the DA backs that up. The police, you know, say, yep, we've, we've investigated. He did nothing wrong. That Either that happens or honestly, I think Marvel's in a position where they almost have to either alter their story or recast because they're not going to want to have him be the face of this whole phase with any questions lingering in the air. 
That's that's big time damage, especially at a part where their brand is already kind of taking a hit. Uh, potentially. I mean, you we can say that they d- wouldn't go forward with this. They brought back James Gunn after they fired him, and they felt they were justified for firing him. But enough people that were acting on Guardian said, we're not going to do your movie. James Gunn yeah. got brought back. Um, I mean, there's a lot of allegations and stuff around Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt still gets roles. Really, the only person that I can think of off the top of my head that was a big-time actor that got his name tarnished is Johnny Depp, and that hasn't resurfaced with a lot of gusto um, to the heights that they once were or in that same stratosphere. So I, I would also add, add Kevin Spacey to that list. Yeah, and I those, forgot about Kevin Spacey, but and, Kevin admitted that he did what he did. Well, to some extent, like he hasn't ever been found like guilty in a court of law, has he? Well, it's all the, been civil suits. Well, the thing with the guy that sued him, it happened more than seven years ago, so he couldn't oh, okay. pre- press criminal yeah. stuff because it would happen in the late eighties or nineties. But he's not really getting work either. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think DC comes into play here with how they've reacted. Like they're going full steam ahead with the flash movie with with Ezra Miller as the star. And it'll be interesting to see if Marvel reacts to that in a way where they try to distance themselves from Jonathan majors, or if they just keep going full bore ahead. And I think a lot of it has to do with what, what comes next, what comes of this. Mm hmm. So that's why I was saying, I think I'm, it, I'm almost, I feel like Marvel's almost kind of trapped in a corner of he either gets completely exonerated or they've got kind of an issue with uh, public, uh, you know, what the public's going to think. And public again, opinion. I will say that my first thoughts and cares are with uh, yeah. the, the, the victim. If this happened the way it happened um if it didn't happen the way it happened there's two people in conflict and i don't like that either so yeah we'd be remiss too as long as we're talking about marvel they're having a tough couple weeks i mean pretty tumultuous maybe not tough tumultuous so they fired victoria alonso gone but not forgotten who um you know, there's there's that shaping up into what's going to be a legal battle, I believe, because she's not happy with it. And today, just today, as we're recording this, they laid off Ike Perlmutter from his duties as Marvel Entertainment chairman. Now, that basically means he was the head of the board, the chairman. Um, I always thought that was Feige, that he just wore all the hats. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and this one, like, this made big headlines, but this one wasn't quite a shock because... For if, if if you follow Disney at all, um, this guy was basically led tried to lead a coup in the last six months or so. He was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> he was trying to kind of yeah take over, um, and he failed. And then they waited to this time to kind of get rid of him. Here's the interesting part. So uh, Perlmutter is uh, known for a couple things around around Marvel. Um, I've been told he's a cheapskate. <laughs> One of them uh, is that he 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 said some things that were just weird. Uh, one of the things was 
if I can find it here. I can't. Uh, there. Back in 2013, he had a lot of, Ike Perlmutter had a lot of influence on Iron Man 3, where he made the call to change the film's villain from Rebecca Hall's Maya Hansen to Guy Pierce's Aldrich Killian. He explained this decision on the idea that female villains wouldn't sell as much merchandise as male villains would. Okay, so, um, I mean, bad logic for sure. Yeah, he's also said some things um, during the whole, he was apparently kind of opposed to Disney's stance in Florida with the don't say gay bill. Uh-huh. Uh, he kind of was outspoken about that. And so I think that this is not a coincidence of this. They're firing him now, right when they're having this other business with Victoria Alonzo, who is a member of the LGBT community. And she's alleging and kind of there's hints coming out that she's going to claim that Disney was anti LGBT in her, their handling of her. So them firing this dude, who's maybe been anti, who's also a Trump guy. I think that's, that's pertinent information. It makes it look in a sort. I'm just saying, I think companies will do company things based on the way they look. This guy was going to go at some point. Oh yeah. And I think they chose this time for a reason you got the Jonathan major stuff going on. You got the Victoria Alonzo stuff going on. I'm going to say this guy was being a jabroni with this decision back in 2013. Yeah. Literally Catwoman, poison Ivy, Harley Quinn. Yeah. I, I know they're all DC properties, but DC has made female villains or yeah. anti-heroes that sell. Yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, just that whole, uh, like, if your company takes a stance and you speak out against what the company line is, even if the company's not really practicing it, it might be doing it just for more money, uh, which I've heard some fans within the fandom say that's how they feel Disney really is. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's how I feel. I'm saying that's how some feel. Um, That... Ah, you run the risk of losing your job. If I bashed the agency I worked for, I shouldn't or bash the policies that would help my agency. If I bash those, I really shouldn't be expecting to be employed there much longer. Yeah. Here's, there's a lot of doubt about what's going on. Here's where there's no doubt. Marvel Studios, Disney, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, all those Disney properties, they're in kind of like a make or break time, I think. <laughs> there's some interesting times going on over there at Disney. It'll be interesting to see how they move forward with all this. They should call Gwen Stefani. Cause she was in no doubt. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, all right. Uh, that's enough of that. We're going to get into the problems of another studio <laughs> coming up next or the solutions. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're going to review Shazam too. The Fury of the Gods and talk about the issues DC has around that movie, which you haven't been able to escape much of those. Coming up next, uh, stick around. All right, welcome back. Pop culture pastor, we uh, are ready to talk about Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods, Dave here, Cody here, and live on the geek phone, it's Scotty. Hey, everybody. 
What's up, Scotty? Not much. How are you? I'm good. Ready um, to jump into this movie. You are our resident uh, comic geek of the round table, and really, you're kind of our DC geek of the round table, to go along with Cody. Um, yeah. You're carrying what I am lacking. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, although I had an affinity for Superman, especially, I did not, I wasn't a big reader of the other titles. And, and let's be honest, he didn't start as a DC character. He was a Fawcett character. Captain, you mean Shazam? Shazam, Captain Marvel. Yeah. 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 Um, well, since you said Captain Marvel, can I ask you a question right off the bat? Yeah, throw it at me. This movie, it appears like they don't want to say Captain Marvel. Is that a copyright thing? Are they not allowed it, to use that? It name? is actually a copyright thing. In the interim of them arguing about who owned that character, especially DC and Fawcett arguing that he was a knockoff of Superman. In that time, that's when Marvel stepped in and created Captain Marvel. So then they copyrighted the name. And so Marvel has the copyright. It has the copyright on the name, <laughs> yes. Those shirt yeah. faces. What? <laughs> of course, you can see the big time fascist over at no, Marvel doing that's that. That's just a shrewd business move. Yeah, well, because they were too busy trying to fight. Fossa was too busy trying to keep that character, let alone thinking about trying to keep that name when DC was like, you are you made a knockoff of Superman. We want the money you're making because you're outselling our flagship title. <laughs> oh, it's, snap. It's important to note that Captain Marvel is not a new thing for Marvel either. No. The, the character of Captain Marvel, who used to be a guy, by the way. Yeah, and it was Captain Marvel. But yeah, yeah, but that's an old, old character. He's been yes. around for a long time. Older than me. Yeah, definitely yeah. older than me and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not as old as the Fawcett comics, Captain no. Marvel slash Shazam. No, not at all. Okay, so we saw Shazam Fury of the Gods, or Shazam 2. We can refer to it as that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, broad take on the movie. Um, we will revisit this, I'm sure, but I just want to start off this because of everything surrounding this movie. I went and saw this movie with my wife. I had no expectations for it. I'd heard how little it was making. We sat in an absolutely empty theater on, on seven o'clock on a Friday night. It was second it week was, out. It was empty on the first week on Sunday for us too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it, so it's getting destroyed at the box office and yeah. by critics who I contend a lot of YouTube critics who I contend. I don't think have seen this movie. I don't think they have either because I'm about to say something that's going to rock people's world. This movie's actually really good. Yeah. You just knocked my socks off. Yes. I, this movie is better than pretty much everything in Marvel phase four, except for maybe Spider-Man. No way home. That was when I left the theater, I was like this movie and, and listen, broadly speaking, broadly about the movie, what I love about this and where I think Marvel has gone wrong in a lot of ways is they didn't try to reinvent the wheel. No, it's, it's your standard hero story, but it's a story done well with heart and feeling and comedy and it was a good mix of all those things and it was it felt like it mattered it felt like it meant something yeah. and i just really thought it was good cody what did you think um so i'll say that for me i thought it was better than everything in phase four of marvel with the exception of spider-man 
unless you are a big Sam Raimi fan or you are a big Taika fan. If you were of those fandoms, those movies did uh, you well. Um, with that being said, this movie, um, oh, so many heartfelt moments. And you can't help but fall in love with the whole family, uh, whether they're in kid form or superhero form. Um, they're funny. They interact, engage like a foster family that uh, has been together for a while. Um, and you get these tender moments, especially between um, Billy and uh, the foster mom. Um, I really appreciated those. I will agree with one thing that someone said before the movie, and that was Helen Mirren, that it was too complicated to explain by her. And I mean, I can explain the overall synopsis of the movie, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so you got to be following along. You got to pay attention because there's a lot of little details that make up how we get to um, Billy slash Shazam fighting these three Greek gods. Well, and I think, and Scotty can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think just the Shazam story in general just has a lot of lore to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would compare it, especially, and then there were some things comparable to some of the things you saw here, but I would compare a lot of that kind of lore to like Doctor Strange's lore. Like it's just really deep and kind of grand yeah. uh, as you go into it, which seems weird for a character that's a kid. Who well, turns into an adult version of himself? But well, well, you you get that more and more throughout the years, especially in the comics. The more you start to tie more and more to you know mythology and those things, so they picked up on a lot of that even more in this one, even more than the first one, I would say. Yeah. Um. So, just broadly, what did you think of the movie when you went and saw it? What was your reaction walking out of the theater? I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of the first one. I'm a big fan of this character and the, the whole, I still call him Captain Marvel family. Um, it's probably one of my, the first one's probably one of my favorite feel good movies. Just to go back and watch anytime. Um, I felt like this one had the heart that the first one had, but f I felt like this one had up to stake some. So you feel like there is some kind of urgency that I felt like maybe the first one misses a little bit. Mm hmm. But I really, I felt like this one was a more, little more rounded than the first one. I think. Now I, I, I've gone back and forth like this one or the first one all week. <laughs> but I really do enjoy it, and I agree. I think it's probably one of the better superhero movies we've got in the last year, two years, maybe three years if we want to go that far back. Um, because it does, it doesn't feel like you said it. You were not reinventing the wheel. We're giving you what you want. You know, even with the upping mistakes, but it also gives you some fun to play with. And you have a villain that, you know, is not from the comics, but really helps get Billy and the rest of the family where they need to be. You know, hopefully for a third one, which probably isn't going to happen, but, <laughs> you know, I, you know, it was a nice kind of setting along as well. Oh, yeah. I, uh, so watching this, and I watched it the second weekend. 
I, I did too. I really felt awful in the theater. Like, oh, this is good. Yeah, and we're not going to get a third one. Okay, yeah, I felt the same way, and we'll yeah. get into this later because of all of the commentary around this movie and how it's getting blasted. Yeah, and it's I left just- that theater. I was kind of upset. I because yeah. I was just like, wait a minute. That was this a is good one that movie. deserves a sequel. This deserves a third one. Yeah, well, it deserves to not be talked about like it's yeah. trash. It deserves to be over a hundred million, which it finally just crossed today. Yeah, holy cannoli! Yeah. Uh, let me give people the synopsis. Uh, bestowed with the powers of the gods, Billy Batson and his fellow foster kids are still learning how to juggle teenage life with their adult superhero alter egos. When a vengeful trio of ancient gods arrives on Earth in search of the magic stolen from them long ago. Shazam and his allies get thrust into a battle for their superpowers, their lives, and the fate of the world. Directed by David F. Sandberg, um, producer Peter Safran, which that's a name we know from the latest news because him and James Gunn are the new forerunners of the DC Studios stuff. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much like it's a simple plot. It's yeah. a simple plot. That's what it is. It ties into the first movie through the MacGuffin in the first movie, the staff. They do a good job of showing us how that happened in a scene. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it just kind of goes from there. Now, um, let's let's go on to what's good. What's good about this movie? Scotty, why don't you go first? I I think, you know, we kind of hit it on that first bit. The family dynamic is still there, even with the trade-off of New Mary, who does fabulous coming into this, you know, without being in the first one i think she did really well i think you know we can't ever f- not talk about zachary levi the man's amazing and whatever he does i really enjoy zachary a lot thank uh, you you're welcome <laughs> you know yeah. um i also feel like the little bits of comic book lore that you have in her you know like i said it's not based on anything from really the comics so these are not villains that were in the comics they were created for this movie um the other really nice thing that i i really enjoyed and i wish you know i wish that you know the commercials leading up hadn't given it away but spoilers tying it into wonder woman was a nice kind of kind of setup yeah that, that made a lot of sense to me as that he's a teenage boy Yes. Yes. <laughs> Him having almost an idolization of Wonder Woman in a lot of different ways, like not the same way you would idol Superman, <laughs> yeah. but the way you would idolize of a very attractive female as a teenage boy who's a superhero. And I just thought all that stuff was kind of genius as well. And especially with her being, you know, a child of the gods, at some point you have to have that interaction. So it yeah. makes sense to bring her an entire into that world. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I yeah. said, I just wish we wouldn't have given that away two weeks ago, but <laughs> well, to echo the first thing you said there too, man, I, like, listen again, they don't reinvent the wheel. It's a simple no. story. Uh, no. The hero is going along fine. He, he gets kind of humbled, you know, um, he then has to fight something bigger than him for the fate of the world and but also the people he cares about it's your standard hero kind of arc and so it seems simple but let me tell you the foster family stuff was really effective as i found it was in the first movie they kind of go a little bit harder into it in this movie and i thought it was really genuine and really hit hard i mean i had tears a couple times in this movie 
which I was as shocked as you. Like I did not go, I did not sit down in this theater feeling like I was going to be emotionally affected by this in any way. And no. yet there I was having real emotion and attachment to these characters. I thought it was great. The foster family stories, it was believable. And you, you feel for all these characters. It was, which means there's good character development. I honestly felt for Steve and Steve was just a pin. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like he was literally a ballpoint pen. They, they made the, the story around certain objects and characters so well that you're like, Oh, Steve, why do you keep writing? <laughs> yeah. He was pretty literal. Yeah. Steve, the magic ballpoint pen. Yes. Uh, which, I mean, this movie had a lot of Easter eggs that either tie into other things, the comic book lore, which Steve in the Historama uh, is um, something that is well known in the Shazam verse. Yes. Um, but Annabelle was in this movie. Again. Again. Was- so David F. Sandberg, who. Uh, was all about the the creation of um, the Annabelle movie and stuff. He he put that in this movie. I, I don't this even is, know what's this, Annabelle. This I haven't is, seen those movies. Um, this is her third cameo, actually, after Aquaman and after the first Shazam. I missed her in Aquaman. I'll have to go back. Yeah. Um, so the it's Conjuring, the Conjuring movies. Yes. Introduce um kind of the the realm of um ed and is her name lorraine yes lorraine lore yeah and they they drive out demons and oh wow it's based on real life stuff allegedly um and uh, one of the things that really happened was a possessed doll and they named it annabelle and they made a movie about this possessed doll named annabelle and she was in this movie yeah okay. she was in the pediatrician's office <laughs> Also, also in the pediatrician's office, if you look on the wall, Starro is on the wall. Starro. Yes. <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> yes. All right, Cody, uh, what was what was some of the good stuff for you in this movie? Um, I'll say all the jokes uh, around um, like Shazam's acronym. Hey, mm. I love the callback to that Shazam actually stands for like all these uh deities and historical figures but then when we get to the wisdom of solomon it's like solo man (laughs) and the wisdom of saruman and like it just kept going and i'm like i'm here for this um can i say that by the way this also shoots in the in the face the whole idea of like Anyone who would have argued with you about Thor Love and Thunder is like, oh, you just don't like humor in hero movies. Like, no, I like humor in hero movies. And in this one, they've done the the, the balance was good. Yeah. The yeah. stakes, the stakes were not lessened by the humor. And in fact, the humor wasn't so much written. Like it wasn't like there were jokes clearly written, but the humor is more in the way that they're it's acted. Oh, yeah. Zachary. I think does a great job portraying someone that is like a 17 year old inside of a yeah. grown man's body. body. Yeah. I agree. Zachary Levi was great. 
It was great. You know, even get Michael Gray, the original Billy Batson from the TV show, to come in and play in on that joke as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Captain Marvel. Yeah. That that guy, it's getting to the point where anyone that looks out of place, you know, is a cameo. Yeah. (laughs) Of some sort. It's an Easter egg. It's like, oh, because that guy got on the screen. I was like, oh, my goodness. Who's that guy? (laughs) So the other funny Easter egg from the show is when they're at the junkyard. The RV is the exact RV from that they traveled in in the old show. Oh, wow. Yeah. I do have a question for you, Scotty. Yeah, correct. So the guy that um, was at the museum, uh, who also was in Peacemaker at the, the hospital, uh, the Jander, like, is this supposed to be two separate characters? I assume if, so. He's not credited as the same character, so. Because <laughs> otherwise, he got a big promotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's been He's been hopping from country the country then too <laughs> yes uh cody what other good things you got you got any uh, other good stuff i i literally think that they did a great job casting not only the adult actors for the shazam family but their child counterparts yeah uh deliver well especially freddy uh but of course freddy we saw it in the movie it the guy's phenomenal uh that his line about they're gazebos, mom. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Like, listen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna echo this this thing you've just listed as well. The acting in this movie is really kind of what sent it for me into this realm of like this is a good movie because these actors are all v- very good, first of all. They have charm. Like these supporting actors who many of them, they're not household names. Jack Dylan Grazer. Who yeah. played Freddy? I don't know who this kid is, but he was awesome. You gotta watch it. You you fall in love with his character. He's funny. He he affects other emotions too. Rachel Ziegler as Anthea was great. Um, of course, the, so the family dynamic of all of it, Adam, even their adult counterparts, their hero counterparts. We already mentioned Zachary Levi, but Adam Brody was really good yeah. as as Freddy's superhero version or captain every power, (laughs) which is hilarious. (laughs) Um, But like even the, the kind of side sibling characters, uh, Pedro, Eugene, they were all really good in their moments and they have this charm and it really makes you fall for the family that much more. They seem like a real family and that makes all of the stuff that comes later, all the emotional beats really work in this movie. And, and again, I, I, I had tears. Not only that, I think this movie is good. And I think you don't have to reinvent the wheel with the story because you've got people like Helen Mirren and Diamond Honshu. These are Academy Award winners. And Lucy Liu. uh, Well, okay. I'm (laughs) going to draw a line there. Lucy Liu was a little cringy for me. (laughs) She's the only part, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Helen Mirren was awesome, though. And so was Diamond Honshu. And so is Diedrich Bader. (laughs) yes i'll also bring him up later but now's not the time (laughs) um okay so that's the good stuff if 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 we're gonna segue into the bad stuff i'll just go right into diedrich bader no (laughs) (laughs) is that your you gonna bring him up well i'll say that like if you're going to go bad with diedrich bader no 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 no. not him specifically they Killed the most beloved character from the Drew Carey show. It was weirdly <laughs> a heavy moment in a movie that really wasn't that heavy. No, but it, it caught wasn't. me off guard. Like it was graphic and yeah. rough. 
it was like the first time you're watching the happening before you find out the trees are what's doing it. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, why is this person jabbing their eyes out? Am I watching a snuff film? What is happening right now? And then at the end of the movie, you're just like, okay, well, now I'm not so shocked. It was just a sucky movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was for me, that scene was weirdly heavy yeah. in a movie that just wasn't that heavy. And yeah, so that movie, that scene kind of just stuck out like a sore thumb to me. So there's a fun Easter egg with Diedrich Bader. If you notice it, when Freddie is talking to him, he's getting beat on. He's wearing a Batman t-shirt and Diedrich Bader voiced Batman and Brave and the Bold. Oh, it did. Yeah, huh. it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing that uh, I thought was a, a slight negative, and I already kind of alluded to this. And since I already did, I'll go ahead and talk about it. Lucy Liu is rough, man. She it, and, and it might not be that she's she might not be a bad actress. I don't think she's a, a bad actress. But when you're surrounded by Helen Mirren and Diamond Honshu, uh, her stuff was just weirdly cringy for me. And like, it also doesn't help that the movie was just really, really good, I thought. And yeah. so her scenes just kind of stuck out again, like a sore thumb. And did you guys feel that or am I off base? Um, her kind of like yelling and trying to be direct and matter of yeah. fact, didn't come across or land the way I would want it to. Maybe Lucy Liu is just so sweet and so angelic that she's just not a great enough actress to pull off being evil. Maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, I see, I didn't hate her, but I, I do get what you're saying. I think there is some, that I don't know. I, I felt like maybe it was. I don't know. I I don't want to say it was writing either, though, either. I just, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe she brought too much energy to that. Well, it's almost like <laughs> quite possibly her and Helen Mirren's character should have been switched. That Helen Mirren should have been Calypso and Lucy Liu should have been Hespera. That would have been intriguing. Yeah. Because Helen Mirren is very believable as someone who's playing in evil because she's very like early on it seems like she's going to be the big bad right yeah i thought so yeah i, I was know. wrong it's, you know, it, it maybe it's miscasting maybe that's it's maybe. as simple as that i don't know my my other question is you know with hell Marin, and we have aquaman we have these other characters you know at one point is billy going to recognize that people around him are looking like characters from his favorite movie franchise fast and furious <laughs> <laughs> this is true um okay do you guys have any any stuff that's not so good i'll save it for the the winners and oh, losers okay. all right well I, I i don't i don't have anything bad i okay. think well yeah and, and listen with lucy lou i will i will fully admit i'm being nitpicky to me she just stuck out and it might just be because helen mirren is helen mirren yeah and I don't think Lucy Liu would be insulted by that. She basically said she did this for a paycheck, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what the whole cast has come out and said. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, okay. Greatest story ever told award. Are there any biblical themes? Billy pulls a Jesus. He does. He does. He yeah. absolutely does. <laughs> he, he does. Quite literally. Sure. He <laughs> dies for everyone. And Oh, it's so heart-wrenching. Oh, man, they fooled me. I thought he was really dead. I'm sitting there in the theater crying like a baby. I I knew he had to come back, but I didn't know how they were going to make him come back. And so then you have your your cameo of Wonder Woman actually there. Yeah. It, it does tie in well, 
but Billy willing to lay down his life, not only for his friends, but his family. Can I say the part where he reaches out of the grave, like a horror movie with <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. And it was really easy to pick up on. It was. Also, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that literally the wisdom of Solo Man or Solomon. <laughs> yeah. He's the biblical guy. Yes. Shazam. Exactly. The S stands for Solomon. Mm -hmm. And so the wisdom of Solomon is a thing in the Bible. Uh, he asks for God. He asks God for that wisdom. And God grants it to him. And becomes a wise leader that makes some foolish mistakes along the way and writes one of uh, Cody and I's favorite books of the Bible, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. I mean, they're both really good. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh that's straight from the Bible, not Shazam. <laughs> Solomon. Yeah. Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Scotty, who wins this movie for you? For me, I, I think I go back to second Levi carrying it again. I think he really is the the winner in this whole thing, um, and I think my my next close would be the child actors, along with the adult actors. Just how great that casting is between the two. Yeah, their chemistry you know, is great. The chemistry is great, and and the other thing is, and I talked about it early on in this conversation, but the young lady coming in for Mary, she has moments, you know, some great moments in the second one that that chemistry is there it could have easily not been there with her coming in last minute the replace the original actors but you feel it and you feel like you i don't want it sounds bad but you feel like you forget about that she wasn't marrying the first one you kind of forget about that actress from the first one the, the actress's name is grace carolyn curry who has been in um let's see this movie she was in annabelle creation yeah and uh, that's probably the only one you've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah, a TV show. She's been in Ghost Whisper. Rate, rate, uh, love Jennifer Love Hewitt show. She's been in Bones. Yeah. So she's been around a little bit, but uh, not a big name actress. But yeah, she did great. Uh, Cody, who, who wins this movie? Okay. So I will butcher his name. So I'm going to ask you to say it. The Wizard. <laughs> Diamond Honshu. Yes. Um, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, I wish he's used in more movies and in bigger roles. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah, like, I, it's thanks to um, the Shazam series and uh, was he in Guardians 1? Yes, he's in. And so, like, those are the things that he's done most recently, and I feel and, awful. And and the funny thing is, he's in Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, but I might have intentionally forgotten. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and it's between him and Cooper Andrews, aka Papa of the Foster family, because <laughs> he's just a a lovable guy, no matter if he's playing Victor Vasquez, which is the dad, the foster dad in this movie, or he's playing Jerry in the walking dead. Yeah. Um, I, more of those two actors, please. Um, diamond Honshu was nominated for an Academy award for best supporting actor in for in America. He was mm -hmm. the fourth, fourth African male to be nominated for an Oscar. 
he also won the National Board of Review Award for Best Sporting Actor for his performance in Blood Diamond in 2006. Oh, yeah. Like, the dude has talent. I just don't know why he's not being used. Yeah. I love him in Gladiator. Gladiator is one of my favorite, favorite movies. And I just love his character in Gladiator. I love his uh, chemistry with Russell Crowe in that movie. And I think he's, yeah, he's a wonderful actor. And yeah, you wonder why he doesn't get more major parts. So so good. He plays two different Marvel characters and so good. He plays two different DC characters because he's an Aquaman too. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Aquaman's not high on my, I, I think I fell asleep watching it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to say the winner of the movie is, um, and this is going to be counterintuitive to what's going on with him in social media right now. He's getting absolutely lambasted in social media, but I think the proof is in the pudding. The people that see this movie will see that Zachary Levi is a real talented dude. He's great in this movie. He's funny. He carries gravitas when he needs to. And I I just think, yeah, I think you're right, Scotty. I think he carries this movie, even surrounded by great actors. Yeah. And he was wonderful. I figured you know, that one or more of you would say him. So I went off to being true. Well, but like, look, you could make a case for a lot of people. I almost said David Sandberg, who's like on record as saying, well, I'm not doing superhero movies anymore. I don't blame him. Cause he's like, I tried and failed. And I want to say, bro, you didn't fail. No, this is a good movie. Especially when you have Zachary face to face in those moments with Helen Marin and he is going toe to toe and it is completely believable. And he is at that level with her. Yeah. That for me proves the level that he's at. Um, the, the go get him next time award. Who's the loser of this movie? Okay. I got, I got can, this. Can I go first? Okay. Well now Is you're it, sabotaging, yeah. but yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, it just ties in with my winner. The loser of the movie is also Zachary Levi. That yeah. is realistic. And it depresses me like heck to say it because I think it's unfair. I think it's not his fault. No, I think it's the rocks fault. We'll get into that. And Warner brothers. We'll get into that. But that's my loser of the movie. Zach, he's he's the winner and he's the loser. Cody? It works. Uh, that's justifiable. So if we're not going with Steve, because he just kept writing everything, <laughs> um, then I'm going to go with someone that is unfairly being criticized on social media. Um, and it's because she's married to James Gunn. Ah, Jennifer Holland, who (laughs) is in this role of being Amanda Waller's like go-to person as a handler for these superheroes or people with powers. Um, Not not Die Beard. Not Die Beard. Okay, uh, because she's getting raked across the coals of nepotism james yeah. gunn cast yeah. you in this movie and james is like i wasn't at the helm yet which like <laughs> look and we're gonna get to this yeah it wasn't his fault it was the rock's fault not her fault because we could have had a very different ending for the the post credit should have had a very different ending in credit post credit scene but we'll get to that. So yes, Jennifer yeah. is unfairly being bashed upon just because she exists and is married to the new head of DC. Like, look, there's some toxic fandom out there. Yeah. I don't well, get it with her. It's like, well, she's not bad. Like, what? No. What's your problem? 
with her. There's lots of like, dude, his brother's been in every Guardians movie. His <laughs> yeah. highest credit before this was the Gilmore Girls, and he's been in these big, huge budget movies. Nobody says a word. The Gilmore Girls is in Suicide Squad as Weasel. Yeah, what? He's from Suicide Squad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Weasel and Counterman. Yeah. So like, whatever. It's people are toxic. Yes. Which I think, which I think leads to my loser in this whole thing. I okay. think, I think my loser of this movie is the toxic fandom who boycotted this movie and didn't come out to see this movie. Oh man, yeah, you alliance. If there's uh, and and not only that boycotted it, but there are there are geek style pages like in YouTube channels that I follow that are just blasting this movie, and I'm just certain they haven't actually seen the movie. No, I guarantee they haven't. Because this movie is good. Yeah. And I've heard nothing but people bashing on it. And I think it's because there's such a rift in the DC fandom. Yeah. So like so many of these people are Zach um, Snyder. Uh, Snyder fans that they just don't want to say this is good. They don't. My, and, th- my thing is this. I'll argue Zach Snyder's trilogy any day of the week. But at the end of the day, I can argue for both sides. I love what we've got here, but I also love what Zach's done. But it's not going to drive me enough to boycott any of these movies. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the day, we're geeks and we like this. We want them to make good stuff. And like, look, one thing I've always said, because I did not enjoy Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League, the four hour thing. Like, I thought it was better than the one they put in the theaters. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. But the bar was low, you know, but but I didn't really enjoy that. But I don't have a problem with people that did. Like, if you liked that, great. I don't think I was a deep enough DC fan to appreciate everything he threw into that. Like, it was just overloaded and bloated for me. But- and I think you also have to be a fan of the style and artistic vision he has, well, which it's very distinct and it works in some things. And for some people, it doesn't. Yeah. If it fits the story, like, I love 300. I think Watchmen. 300 is absolutely excellent. I like The Watchmen. Yeah. Even though he splits off from the source material. He does. But that's fine. I enjoyed it for what it was. So yeah, I'm not as I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. And and I guess what I'm saying is I I can I can appreciate that people like his stuff. Um I think I think at the end of the day, because of this now, we are losers, especially in that second post credit scene with Mr. Mine. We we set up for the monster squad and here we go now we're never going to see that built yeah well let's just get into this part because this is now we're going to get into the stuff that's going on around this movie yeah um the sad thing was before we ever got to watch it because we were at comic-con uh planet comic-con um is there's like all this press stuff that's dropping left and right yeah and there's a lot more talk about the movie but that's not directly aimed at what is being presented. It's just what well, happened behind the scenes and what yeah. wasn't. So it's been interesting because all this Marvel stuff has been dropping the same time. This DC stuff, like listens, uh, the stuff around this movie, the Shazam movie is, well, first of all, let's just say what it is. It's a huge bomb in the realm of superhero movies. Yeah. Uh, it's going to end up losing more money than Morbius did which is, 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 is a gut shot. I mean, I don't know how to put that any other way. And there's been all this finger pointing going on between 
uh, Zachary Levi. Uh, well, not between. It's been mostly yeah. from Zachary Levi. And it all centers around this article that came out uh, from The Watch, I believe. Yeah. And it centers around The Rock. So The Rock, and we talked extensively about it, the Black Adam movie that came out last year. Um, how the hierarchy was going to change according to the rock, the attempted coup during before. Yeah, pretty much. So let's just, yeah, let's, let's get into this because, uh, the rap, not the watch, the rap reported this, that Dwayne, the rock Johnson kneecapped the Shazam sequel. Uh, basically what they revealed in this article was that the rock allegedly vetoed a planned post-credit scene of black Adam, that would have featured Zachary Levi Shazam being recruited by the Justice Society, Hawkman in particular, um, who obviously was a prominent thing in Black Adam movie. Now, he stopped that. And Johnson, apparently, because he's like, and he has some weird executive producer role with Black Adam that he, he maintains yes. some control over this. Scotty, do you, do you know how yes. to explain that better? Yes, and that's that's kind of the go-to. The other thing was, the way I understand it, is yes, he did have the veto on it. He also had the veto back when the first Shazam came out and argued that they shouldn't encapsulate him into the first movie, which I agree with. I think if you would have left all that Savannah stuff and him in there, it would have been way too much. Yeah, so he turns down a cameo in the first one. He, so, but basically through the course of all this, he has absolutely refused to integrate these characters who are all part of the same story. Like Shazam and black Adam, that black Adam is a character in the Shazam verse. Yes. That's where he comes from. Uh, you know, like their similarities and their costumes are not an accident. No. So but the, the rap apparently quotes an insider who alleged that, Dwayne Johnson has a thinly veiled disdain for the Shazam friend franchise. Um, so he, they, what they reported is that he undermined Shazam in these ways. And by also spending virtually his entire black Adam press tour, hyping the showdown between black Adam and Superman rather than black Adam and Shazam. So in a very real way, by the way, featuring Henry Cavill in the in credit scene, when Henry Cavill, as we now know, did not have a deal in place to come back. No. Oof. Like, well, the rock did it on his own. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and here's the other thing I've heard. And I, and I agree that he is part of this problem too, but I've also heard by the time they came back to him for the cameo for the second Sam, he'd already been fired as black Adam. <laughs> so, you know, it, you know, it's, do I really want to go back to somebody who's fired me just to <laughs> work? So I, I get that too. But at the same time, the other thing is, you know, suppose, you know, you have, you know, you have everybody pointing fingers, you know, you got Saffron saying it was a rock fall. And then, you know, and the rock has not come out said yay or nay either way and say pretty quiet, but you know, his, some people from his campus said, no, Saffron blocked it. And that, he had already been fired. So I, I think the bigger, you know, nuisance in this situation was that at any point, the head of Warner brothers could have stepped in and had this taken care of. Yeah. Well, you know? so this is what the article in the rap says, a Hollywood insider quoted as saying this, instead of making a movie, Dwayne Johnson wanted to extend his brand and make a brand centered on himself. 
that that was a direct quote from whoever this Hollywood insider is that they would they don't name. Um, Dwayne went around everyone and it didn't sit well with Warner Brothers. And so when the movie comes out and is disappointing at the box office, all of that blows up. And now this movie that got kind of, you know, like they, they said, they, they put it in a perfect terminology. It basically got kneecapped. Like they took it out at the legs. This movie had no chance. So I have an insider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my insider says Dwayne The Rock Johnson was being a jabroni. <laughs> that insider was myself. Uh, but I will say within The Rock's um, previous contracts and other franchises, including Fast and Furious, which Billy is a huge fan of, yes. um, he can't take the last hit. He can't be the villain. He has to be a hero of sorts. Even if it's an anti-hero, he has to appear heroic. He can't tarnish his Dwayne the Rock Johnson brand. So I 100% believe that quote about that Dwayne was trying to build a brand. Yeah. And the Black Adam has a cool logo, has a cool color scheme, uh, has that tough persona. If you go the full anti-hero route versus making him a villain, um that yeah it fits perfectly with Dwayne's brand but if um <laughs> you don't fit within the source material that you're working with which is the Shazam verse um you basically have just put all of your hopes in one basket in that basket is shattered in a million pieces. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jabroni. So there's a lot of people who said Zachary Levi has been kind of cringy this past week on social media because he has on Instagram shared the rap article, shared the allegations about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and then wrote, the truth shall set you free. Now, he took some flack for that, but he later took to Instagram Live to insist he ha he wasn't blaming anybody for the failure of Shazam 2 and only shared the article because, because quote, because I don't want to be blamed for things that are not on me. But he also confirmed that what they said in that article was true, that the, that the plans for the in credit scenes were quote thwarted. And so I was okay with him sharing. Yeah. But you know, social media is yeah. weird. And because Zachary Levi is, is, has said some conservative things politically he's he gets blasted on social media a lot and called cringy even if he's not really being cringy yeah. so it just is what it is but I, I also think at the end of the day I, like i said i think you know at the end of the day warner brothers could have stepped in either direction oh yeah way well the warner that. brothers saw dollar signs right well warner brothers had too much turmoil within their own other companies yeah because literally they were losing money that's why discovery warner brothers combined yeah. um and dc was constantly in turmoil about should we go with the snyderverse or should we go somewhere else and it was just back yeah. and forth you gotta have some singular direction a vision if you're going to have a verse of anything otherwise just make solo independent movies like the batman yeah i mean yeah they needed black adam to make money because they were in a you know they were they were in a corner 
They were in a tough spot and they had the rock who is a star. And so you can almost see the logic where they were like, well, just let him cook, just let him cook. And he made a subpar movie. And by the time he, they noticed the destruction that was being wrought, it was too late. I still think that the justice society members in that movie were phenomenal. Yeah, I thought that 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 portion of Black Adam was good. I liked them. Um, I'm okay with Dwayne stuff, although at times it just felt very monotone, uh, yeah. very singular. Um, that there was no emotion whatsoever, and I'm like, oh, this guy lost his son, um, and ha- has been trapped for thousands of years, and no emotion. Let's be really honest. Um, with all the, the keeping Shazam and Zachary Levi at arm's length that Dwayne Barack Johnson did Shazam two is a hundred times better than black Adam as a movie. Okay. It's just, it's, it's just so much better. Scotty. What was that? I, I agree. I Shazam two is a better movie than, you know, and the other thing for me is now you have two movies that have created post-credit scenes that are going to go nowhere, you know, any yep. other. The other thing is, if you would have gotten the rock and done the post credit scene, was it going to go anywhere either? No, not at this point. But if he doesn't block it from the beginning, Scotty, maybe they continue in their roles. Yeah. Or if you just had, because one of the rumors was all this Hodge and other members of the Justice Society would have been there. um, That if you had just the Justice Society, you can kind of forget Black Adam was a thing and then down the road readdress it. Yeah. You could you could have folded the Shazam verse characters into whatever James Gunn and Saffron were gonna do. You really could have. And I think Dwayne the jock the jock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, as Cody so eloquently put it, is a jabroni and kind of ruined it. I, he just did, and I don't think there's any way around that because again my bottom line for this movie is it's just so much better than black adam it deserves to be recognized as better and the fact that everybody is pooping on this movie kind of makes me upset because it's good it's really good there's no call no qualms either way but like you said yet again i feel like the ones who are pooping on it have not seen this movie um, the, the end question is this, is this just the perfect conclusion to the ineptitude of Warner brothers though? Is this the way it just should end before we stay, start something new that one of the best movies, um, <laughs> uh, of their recent run of superhero movies does not do well in tanks and because of their money. own mismanagement. I mean, you reap what you sow. Um, cause this movie, the, the management and the making of it didn't just happen yesterday. No. So we can't say that James Gunn and Peter Saffron had huge hands in it. You know, Saffron's company was the producing company on it. Um, but yet again, it's the continued problem. We, yes, the problem, you know, didn't just start today. It started clear back on BBS. It, it continued on suicide squad, you know, and then yet again, when you fire, Zack Snyder, after his daughter has passed away, I'm just yeah. bringing a whole new director and shoot a whole new movie. So it's 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 still that, you know, you might have cleared house and got rid of some of those people that were involved in that, but the still the mindset is still in that company that is ruining these projects. Yeah, like guys, 
let me ask you a question. What if the flash is really good and it's not going to go anywhere? Like then they would have had two movies at the end of this run that were actually good Um, because of their, what happens? Like, so the storyline with the flash, there's like a thousand different ways they can go with it. And it could be honestly the resetting factor within the DC. Do you really think that's what it is? I do. No, I don't. They, they've reshot so much here recently since James Gunn's been. And and if you ask Tom Cruise, but James Gunn has also been proven to be a liar. Can we admit that? No. Cody says, no, Scotty says, yeah, because he said a lot of things about Shazam. He was real coy. With the yeah. way he talked about Sam, because he want he doesn't want to do he didn't want what happened to happen. I think yes. that if it would have grossed like five hundred million dollars, they would have found a way to keep it. But here's the other thing: James Gunn today is also still trying to keep his brand. He has oh, yeah. a Marvel movie that comes out in a couple of months that Marvel uh, is scrambling where he did the same thing that happened last weekend on Shazam that happened in the Guardians. Yeah, you know so. You know, he's not just trying to save his own brand. He's also trying to save what he, his last ditch at Marvel too. It's really interesting because man, Marvel needs that movie to hit. They need it to hit. And this is the Marvel movie I'm least worried about. I'm like, out of all the I ones that been announced. Normally I would, but, but when Scotty but, says that, it does make you think like, oh man, this is an important movie. Like Guardians 3 is weird because it's not just important for Marvel and Disney. It's important for DC and James Gunn that it yeah. is. Well, and you have those Snyder followers who will boycott that movie just like they did the Shazam movie just to prove a point that he's not the person to be a DC. I, I got to tell you, man, the Snyder people, they seem awfully toxic to me. Yeah. Oh, I think the extreme fans within any fandom, um, prove that fan is short for fanatic and that they'll say and do about anything um and i mean i would classify myself as someone that really loved the snyder cut and um loved his uh directorial vision and would have loved to see the end process if it was uninterrupted by joss whedon and about 15 letters <laughs> by dc yeah um just because we always get the happy go lucky uh superhero movies and this is kind of a darker more somber tone uh and to see how that plays out in uh its entirety would have been interesting yeah but, but, but the, other do, side the, the other side of the coin is flash could be a thing that they still flock to because you still have a lot of snyder intact in that movie okay oh, let, yeah. me, let me ask you this this is off on a tangent a little bit because we talked about jonathan majors at the beginning of this <laughs> pod um where are we at with the flash because a lot of the stuff that people brought up this weekend when we were talking about Jonathan Majors was a kind of a revisiting the situation of Ezra Miller. I, do we support this movie? I mean, I almost don't want to go see The Flash. So. I think the thing for me, I've said from the get go, is that he's not the only one in that movie. We have, you know, Michael Keaton back. We have Affleck back. We have supposedly Gal Gadot yeah. back. Okay, you but know. Scotty, the, the difference is it'll be, we've talked about how interesting it'll be to see how Marvel handles Jonathan Major's situation. The difference is, is that DC hasn't backed off of Ezra at all. And the stuff Ezra did is beyond maybe what Jonathan Majors is accused of. Like it's not alleged. We know there's video, there's evidence that Ezra Miller has done some terrible things 
And like, they just seem to be kind of just brushing it under the rug. I don't know. It just, it makes it hard, man. Because if Jonathan Majors is guilty of what he did, then I don't want him in my Marvel movies either. Right? Yeah. Like, I, if he's guilty, then they have to recast. Get rid of him. And that comes from someone who kind of likes his work. Yeah. I, it's rough. It's kind of rough. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. But, but yet again, I, I always come back to the thing of, you know, I grew up a Cosby kid. You know, oh, and that's yeah, hard, well, to, hard to take too. But yeah. at the same time, and you know, and talking about Josh Whedon, you know, as a Whedon guy for a little, still love, yeah. Buff, still love Firefly. But I've had to bring myself to a thing that you have to separate the art from the artist. And, okay. you know, and this being the last thing we're going to see Ezra in, no matter what Gunn is saying, you know, okay, let's, let's ride this out and be done. That's fair. I think that's fair. And I've seen several people, several uh, podcasts and uh, entertainment insiders comment and say, our worst fear is this is going to be really great. Yeah, right. And we're going to enjoy it because this is kind of the unofficial send off of Ezra from DC. Yeah. Um, I do think that there is a way that you can kill off this version of the flash and you launch into a different universe and that different universe has some similar looking characters, kind of like they're similar looking Kangs out there. Yeah. And let, so let you, me be clear. James Gunn, his behavior has kind of made me nervous but I'm rooting for him. I I want the DC universe to be good. He's doing first movie out of the gate. My favorite character in DC, which is Superman. I well. want it to be good. I, I'm rooting for him. So Brightburn was good. I trust that he can make an actual Superman movie. Okay. Um, now, have you guys heard the rumor about that movie? The Superman legacy? Yes. Uh, I don't the, know. The, Probably the not. You tell the, me. Rumor, the rumor that hit this week was that the Superman question is not Clark Kent. It's Jonathan Kent. Superman's son and Lois's son. Oh, no. No, I don't Dave's want to not that. for that. No. no. You know, you know, the, the thing is, if you go that route, that's how you get around, you know, the conversation that supposedly Henry Cavell had with gun about coming back at some point no i don't like that i don't care <laughs> i don't care about jonathan kent i want clark kent i want the real character and like and maybe like, maybe look, that's not the case but hey, that's the rumor it's floating now you want to do brave in the bold with damian wayne as robin that's great but he's not batman i want bruce not wayne yet. i yet. want bruce wayne okay yeah i mean i hate that rumor i hate it I'm just telling you, Scotty, I hate it. <laughs> um, okay. How many let's get let's end Shazam. Let's let's in the talk. How many lightning bolts out of ten do you give this movie, Scotty? I give it ten. I love wow, it. Scotty. <laughs> yeah. I almost fainted. <laughs> All the blood rushed to my head. <laughs> Scotty, Scotty's a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Um it's a solid nine. Yeah. I was thinking eight, eight and a half. So it's good. Yeah. It's good. I don't give I don't really give anything a 10. So eight, eight and a half is good for me. That's a good movie. And Shazam 2 is good. All right. There you go. That's uh we wrapped up our Shazam uh you know review. Now it's time for Comics Conclave. Comic Conclave, Scotty. 
This month we read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin. It's it's I'm Scotty. I'm just gonna be honest. This is a little depressing. <laughs> um, it's it, kind of a downer. It was. It is, but at the very end, I was like, "Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this about the turtles." <laughs> <laughs> it's so real and gritty and post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I, you know, I I've said this, and everybody's probably heard me say this more times. But you know, I've read this graphic novel probably more times than I've read anything in the short time it's been out, and every time it it hits me, I I ball. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge Ninja Turtles guy, so. For you know, the thing for me that really worked was that anybody can come to this, no matter what version of Turtles that you you grew up with. Either you know the '80s cartoon, the Mirage comics, the reboot comics, you know the Nickelodeon rebooted run. You know you still get that emotional hit. The and Archie comics. Yeah, the Archie comics. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised because I'm not a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guy. That comes so like I'm around when it first starts. I'm heavy into my comic book um, reading and loving when they first start making comics. And like, what is that? 1986, somewhere around there, 85, 84, 84 is when the first ones come out. And those are pretty gritty. Yes. Like they're black and white. They're violent. And when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles becomes a kid's thing, I'm not really all that into it. I liked the early stuff, but I wasn't a super fan because they weren't easy to get a hold of. No, they were they, not. They were rare comics, even back then. Uh, low low print numbers. And so and low um, reprint numbers as well. Yeah. So I dug them, uh, but wasn't a super fan. So I never really get into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I found this an easy read, easy to follow and emotionally resonant. I was invested in it. My friend Kevin did a great job with it. Your friend Kevin Eastman. Now, Cody met Kevin Eastman at Comic Con, and so now they're best buds. They're best buds. Um, my right hand gave him a fist bump. <laughs> uh, Scotty, what else do you want to say about this? Um, this some some little background story, and and like Cody said, we just saw him at at Planet Comic Con. Um, he talked about again. I heard this story before, but the gist was that him and Peter, once they got heavily into Turtles. You know, the first issue was pretty much supposed to be just a standalone issue. So that's why, spoilers, Shredder's dead by the end of that first issue. Because they, you know, they were going to be one and done, and that was it, until they they seen that they had sold <laughs> what they had sold copy-wise and kept coming back. So deep into the run, you know, they, the cartoon happened, the toys happened, the movies happened, the video games happened, the Archie comics happened. So they felt like they spread themselves thin. And then finally, after a while, finally came back to the title and wrapped up, you know, a little over 60 issues. And at that point, they both were at a point of, especially Kevin, the question was, what is our end game? So him and Peter laid out this kind of blueprint of like, hey, this is where we're going. No matter if it takes two years, five years, 10 years, you know, 40 years down the road, this is where we'll end at. And then that template kind of got pushed to the side and ended up all over the place and forgotten about. So when, you know, Eastman left and sold all his rights back to Laird and then Laird sold to Nickelodeon when Nickelodeon came in, um, when Nickelodeon came in, IDW took over and rebooted the comics. Mm. So they hit over a hundred issues now. So it's the longest running turtles run ever. Um, he goes, I felt like Kevin said when they hit that hundred, mark again because i was starting to feel the same way that me and peter felt back in the day 
where are we headed? Where are we going? So he goes like, I, you know, me and Peter, you know, gotten back together. And he goes, I asked him if I could come back to this. And through that is what kind of became the basis for them springboarding off of that original outline to build this run and build this story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have those moments of you feel like, the, you know, you can connect through any iteration to this title. Yeah. Well, it's really, it's really dark, but it's really kind of wonderful. Um, the play in like, you know, for anyone who didn't read along with us, uh, this story is basically, there's one turtle left in like a post apocalyptic escape from New York flavor kind of future. Actually one of the turtles who's, so he's hearing voices of dead turtles. Right? Yes. Yes. And they, and they joke and stuff like the turtles would. And one of them actually makes a snake Pliskin reference. Yes. Which is an escape from New York reference. It is. Um, and so it's really dark, but it's really, it was really, I was surprised at how heartfelt it was. Um, I mean, when I say dark, we're talking like April O'Neill, the plucky girl uh companion of the turtles, is like missing an arm and a leg. Yeah. And 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 you know, the, the raving turtle, if we want to say who it is, um, thinks she's dead, you know? Yeah. Well, they're all dead. Yeah. All the turtles are dead. Splinter's dead. Casey Casey's Jones dead. Is dead. April Kari- is Kari- dead. Is, they think Karai is dead. The shredder's daughter and his grandson yeah. is now the one who's taking over New York and is running it. Yeah. It's wild. But, um, I would recommend if, if anybody in our listeners didn't read it, definitely still go seek it out and read it. It's, it was worth a read. I enjoyed it. And so much so now that it's been greenlit to become a video game and there's talks of adapting it to a movie. Oh, wow. That'd be amazing. Yeah. There's a, you know, you, you, we, we talked about, you know, him seeing the ghost. Do we want to say who the last turtle is or not? Yeah, go ahead. Go for okay. it. So, so, you know, you get to that moment at the end of the first issue and April wakes him up by saying his name and it's Michelangelo. The last mm-hmm. turtle you think would be the last one still. Mikey. Alive. Yeah. Cause oh, you're my. not aware of who it is. No, not, not to for a while in that first issue. And then it's like, here we are. And then you springboard from that first issue into that second issue of the flashback of Raph. Well, cause you- Michelangelo was kind of the goofy one, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they keep referencing like, you're the one that tells the jokes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know, well, what you would imagine someone who's lost everyone he cares about. I honestly thought it was going to be Raphael. Yeah. That's who I, my money was on. Cause this was my first read through of this and I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, w- I just want to, I'll say I enjoyed it a lot. And this is coming from someone who, you know, to me, the turtles, even though I knew of the original comics and enjoyed them, they were always the pop culture zeitgeist was always like the movies, the cartoons, like the movie with like Corey Feldman was the voice of one of the turtles. Oh, the one. Remember, <laughs> yeah, it had a goofy song, the teenage mutant ninja power team, like <laughs> the goofy songs that went along with it. And that was just kind of the space they occupied in my mind. And I enjoyed the heaviness of this. It's good. I there's another fun, and I don't know if you guys caught it, but through the flashback in issue two, when Raphael's going out for revenge, there's a shot of two guys sitting in a diner, and a and a and one of them thinks he sees the turtle, and the other guy thinks he's crazy. It is is Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird drawn. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you deep know, cuts. There, deep there's cuts. some deep cuts. The other thing that um, hits, you know, the whole final issue gets me every time. 
But one of the things that really sticks out to me is that, you know, Mikey goes through all of his weapons this, that he's got, got for himself. Yeah. And the last one he finally uses is his own, his nunchucks, finally. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he almost commits seppuku. Yeah. In the first with, issue. Uh, is that Leonardo who had the katana? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's sad. He lays out like all their their headbands with their weapons. Yeah. Yeah. It was very moving. Uh, I also loved the introduction of uh Casey. Yes. Yeah. The, the daughter. The daughter. <laughs> um yes. that that was perfect. Um it hit all the right spots. Um and so I definitely so I read it online, which I hate reading uh yeah. comics online. <laughs> Me too. And <laughs> to quote Jenna Ortega go buy the book version, go outside and read. She didn't say <laughs> this book, but she said, buy a book and go read outside. So yeah. Yes. And, and if you get the, get the hardback edition, it comes with an introduction by Robert Rodriguez as well. Yeah. And, I read that. Really cool. Yeah. Scotty, uh, wrap it, wrap this up for us. This edition of comics conclave. Um, like Dave said, if you guys have not picked it up, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it, I've read this scratch on probably more than any other over the years, probably even more than Watchmen or, you know, Dark Knight. Um, for especially for anybody who has grown up with these characters and knows these characters and loves these characters, I highly recommend it for sure. Um, I do recommend the physical copy. Also, if you enjoy this, they've just started we're two issues in now. They're doing last run in the lost year, and it picks up with the ending of springboarding right off of where april and casey is at oh wow okay and it also flushes out the the flashback to when mikey ended up in japan and Mm. when we see when the kevin when kevin drew the flashback of him in japan getting attacked um they fleshed that part out because it's it's seen through casey reading the journal that we see prominently throughout very good book and and if you were in kevin's panel this weekend it's not been officially announced in in solicits but he let slip that they are working on last run and two as well so so oh, this wow. wraps up they are doing a second one as well is that going to be the baby turtles spoiler that's that's spoiler. That's, that's, <laughs> that's that that's where i assume they're going because that's the other part of this last year thing you're seeing those baby turtles grow up and it's it's really interesting so far to see those baby turtles and how, you know, kind of Casey and April are falling into that kind of splinter roll. And, and this is becoming a video game. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, it was a fun read. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Let us know what you guys thought of this edition of comics, uh, conclave if you read the last ronin let us know how how, what you enjoyed the parts specific parts you enjoyed what you thought of it also if you have thoughts about shazam 2 did you see shazam 2 or have you stayed away from it because you heard it was bad it's not please watch it's really good uh tell us your thoughts on all that um stay tuned because we have a special treat for you at the end of this episode um, but, but first I'm going to tell you the things I normally tell you, uh, please subscribe to our podcast, pop culture pastor. If you haven't already, if you haven't already rate and review us, that helps us out. Uh, especially if you're going to leave us a good review. That's nice. Don't be a jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, also follow us on Facebook. 
We have a community group on Facebook as well. Find the page, follow it, find the community group and, and join that as well. Anybody can join and follow us on Twitter. And, uh, you know, pretty soon we'll, we'll have other social media outlets as well, but keep on watching for that. Now, the special thing that I've been telling you about, somebody made a rock outro for the show. It's, it's, it's a, a group called blood sweat. My favorite band name right now. All one word, <laughs> Blood Sweat, capital B, capital S. Please enjoy. There's a full version of this song coming soon. But no. here, here is the outro version of Pop Culture Pastor, our theme song, ska slash rock version. Here you go. We'll see. 